I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What is going on, everyone? Taylor Kyle's here for CLNS Media, coming at you with another episode of Pat's Daily, brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, but more from him later. For right now, we have to do a Super Bowl recap show. I know, I know, who cares? The Pats aren't in it. The Pats didn't even sniff it. Who cares what happens in the Super Bowl? Well, I care. Because I think there's a lot of important things that we can glean from this game. Uh, some things like, hey, maybe things like defense and special teams actually do matter. Maybe do you need an elite quarterback to actually win in the NFL and to help me answer some of these questions and get some more perspective from a Patriots lens on what it's like to actually be a champion in the year 2024. What year is it? 2024. I'm honestly losing track. I don't usually remember until March, but to help me with that, I've got my buddy Daniel Harms of NFL 33 also writes for the football guys also writes for cover one. He does a little bit of everything. Very, very talented friend of the show. Daniel, how are you? And how does it feel to be a Super Bowl champion in recent times? You know, I'm I'm fantastic, honestly. Thank you for the introduction. If you guys can't tell, I'm currently wearing a Michigan national championship shirt. So I am I'm having a, a really nice 2024. We'll just say that. I got to watch Michigan win the national championship. The Chiefs go back to back. Yes, I know that's a little weird being a Michigan fan and a Chiefs fan in the same same area, but things get explained down the road. (laughs) Things get explained. And my dad was a Chiefs fan. We lived in Michigan. It's a weird whole thing. So um but I'm 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 doing fantastic man. It's it's been a a great I won't I won't say it's been a great season because it hasn't been a great season. The ending actually we we've kind of made we've likened the Super Bowl game to the Chiefs season. Rocky at the start through the middle they found some real weird things and at the very end they finally kind of clicked something clicked into place they won the super bowl their season got better they didn't lose from christmas on bonnie let loss to the raiders was kind of their rock bottom so they figured out whatever it was that they needed to figure out which i'm sure we'll get into a little bit here but going back to back the first team since the new england patriots to do so is again rarefied air we were just talking before the show so it's it's not uh it's definitely not what it used to be in terms of being a Chiefs fan. Right now is a is a era. It's the suit. There's they're entering their Super Bowl era, if you will. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they are the first team to go back to back since the Patriots, but not even the Patriots' second dynasty. They couldn't even do that. They yeah. had gaps. Pat's first dynasty actually did that. So again, in the salary cap era, it's the Pats and the Chiefs, the only teams to accomplish the feat of actually completing a dynasty. And with obviously that conversation coming up and the mm-hmm. insane success that Patrick Mahomes has had in a starter, he has gone to the AFC title game every year as a starter, which is absolutely insane. Not as insane when you see him play football on the field, but at the same time, still pretty wild. So with that, obviously the comparisons start to come. 
but even more than comparisons, like Tom Brady had to fight the Joe Montana, like he can't win like Joe allegations, even after completing his own dynasty, right? Where he had that weird kind of in between in his career. Now, Patrick Mahomes is being described as Jordan. It's just like he's football Jesus and Tom Brady's name isn't even mentioned in a lot of these conversations, which seems blasphemous from a Patriots perspective. But I'm curious from where you're sitting, you know, like you got the high of the Super Bowl. You've seen Patrick Mahomes all this time. Do you think it's too early to start the Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady debates? Or do you think that he's such a unique case that maybe, you know what, make an exception and actually start having this real conversation? I think it's fair to talk about where they were at this point in their careers. Because the difference with Tom versus Patrick is that he was winning Super Bowls and he won a Super Bowl in his 40s. You know, Tom Brady did that. That's not something you see a lot of. And he was still playing that elite level of football when he won it. It wasn't like he won it like Peyton Manning did on the back of his defense being carried to that Super Bowl. Tom Brady was a large reason. Yes, they had weapons. They had a good defense. And they came into a Chiefs team where... Their offensive line was nowhere to be found and injured and injured and all that stuff. So all of that said, Tom Brady is still in a separate category for me. I know that a lot of people are talking about putting Patrick Mahomes over him. And when we talk about play on the field, sure, go for it. There's really not much of a diff- There's really not much of a, uh, I guess, comparison between between the two. If you could make one thing that Tom Brady does better, it's manage the pocket. And Patrick has still gotten a lot better at doing that since he was a rookie. So, I mean, he's gotten four, he's gotten two, four Super Bowls. That was one more than Tom got to, but Tom didn't lose one in his first three. He was three, you know, now Pat's three and one. So I understand comparing them to where they are at this point in Patrick's career at 28 years old. Yeah. 28. He could still play like 12 points. It's I got I got bad chills. I got the bad chills. That is freaking terrifying. He has not reached his athletic prime. What the hell? But yeah. No, you're good, man. I, it's it's <laughs> and it's funny. You got the bad chills, and I get the good chills every time I think about that being a fan. But yeah, so we're talking about the debate. I'm not I'm not there yet. I still hold that. I would even say you could put Montana over Patrick right now especially because of the way he performed in Super Bowls. Zero interceptions in Super Bowls from Montana. You know, Pat's got seven touchdowns to five interceptions. So, and every single Super Bowl, they've had their struggles. You know, they've had some struggles out the gate in their first one. They didn't really start scoring until the fourth quarter. And same here. So, I believe it was the third where they got that, you know, the bounce off the ankle that turned into a touchdown for them. So, you have some some hiccups here and there. Um, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that Tom Brady is, is still there. And you could really, if you wanted to, I'm not going to argue with you. You can put Joe Montana over him as well. Always with the nuanced takes. I appreciate you so much. Thank (laughs) you for bringing a, like, you know, a thoughtful perspective to it. I appreciate that. All right. Now talking about some similarities and differences between the two. I mean, obviously different dynasties, the Pats had their two and the chiefs are now starting theirs. Who knows where it could go. But it feels like they're getting it done in different ways. So from your perspective, what do you see where it's like, all right, yeah, this is what the Pats were doing when they were doing their thing. But here's where the Chiefs are establishing themselves as their own identity and their own dynasty. So this is actually a really cool comparison and difference because they both evolved. They just did it the opposite ways. And (laughs) early on, Patrick was the focal point. It was, we have to score 30 a game. We have to be able to elevate this defense because we don't know if they're going to give it up or not. And you just kind of hope that Patrick has the ball at the end of the game so we can go win it. And now, 
the Chiefs have a top five defense in the NFL. You could probably say it's top three defense, especially with all the statistics, statistics, efficiency metrics and things like that. Success rate. They really bumped themselves up this year. But that's how the salary cap era has changed it. Patrick Mahomes salary cap. What was his cap hit this this past year? It was it, it was an insane amount, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. It was something like what? $43 million, I think, was his mm-hmm. his cap hit this past year. So there's there's quite a bit of managing the roster and, and finding ways to evolve. And the biggest way they're able to do that is hiring Steve Spagnuolo. Early on, he was, okay, we have to blitz. We have to create a turnover because we don't have the best players. We have 20, like eight... $16 million in Anthony Hitchens, $20 million a year in Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew getting a little bit older, but still guys like Dan Sorensen playing a ton of snaps. So he managed wow. his defense. Yeah, much different. It's like a million and, years ago already. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Like it's it's a whole remember Reggie Ragland in the AFC championship game. They lost to the Patriots. He had that interception. The only reason it was close in the first half is because of that red zone interception from Reggie Ragland. There is a name for Chiefs fans to remember. So you have him and Reggie Ragland or Anthony Hitchens and Ragland next to each other at the starting linebacker positions for a team that was in the AFC championship game. That really happened. (laughs) So there's a lot different, obviously D Ford, this speed edge rusher that a lot of Chiefs fans will say that the only reason they didn't win, go to the Super Bowl was because he lined up off sides. Um, but even then, Charvarius Ward, funny little nuance game, unrestricted free or a UDFA that they traded for. And now he plays for the San Francisco 49ers. Little, little, little things here. So they've adapted their, their defense to now we have all these young players. They're smart, they're athletic, and they can do a lot of different things. And obviously, the, when I'm talking about how you change the offense, was not of the offensive old. Obviously, you trade Tyree Kill. Last year, they still create the explosives. They do all these different things. And then this year, they say, all right, Juju, you want more than we are willing to give you? We'll make it work. We're going to make some bets here. We're going to try to manufacture this offense a little bit differently. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr., you want more than we want to give you? You go ahead. We'll bring in Juwan Taylor. Made some bets that maybe didn't necessarily work out. And we saw that throughout the season. But then Patrick Mahomes kind of just takes over. They finally get back to the (laughs) basics in the run game. Finding more power gap concepts to get Isaiah Pacheco into space and use their athletic offensive line to their advantage. So all of these things, similarities between the two in terms of sometimes you have to trade away a top player. Bill Belichick is very well known for, all right, you're, you're coming, you're up and coming, but I don't really care. We're going to ship you off and we're going to try and replenish. And the chiefs did that on the opposite end. They traded an offensive player away and reloaded the defense. So their idea was we still have Patrick. We can make it work this way. And Travis Kelsey, we're going to go ahead and reload the defense. And it's the youngest defense in the NFL, the back-to-back years that they won the Super Bowl, their defense has been the youngest in the NFL. So it, it's it's really cool to watch how both teams did it differently, but ended up kind of getting to the same places and how Tom Brady in the end at it be you know in the middle of his career when he in the 2007 season when he got Randy Moss and they were just like you know bombs away we're just gonna start chucking the ball down the field and then they get Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman how they went from 
Tom just managed the game to Tom go win us the football game. It, it's a, it's such a cool dynamic to see how these these teams evolved throughout a dynasty because that's what you have to do. You can't win the same way. You, it's not possible. So seeing both teams do that in their own respective dynasties was just it's a really cool impressive thought process to go through. And it's funny because you figure that these are two of the Chiefs teams that might have been the most vulnerable the past two years, where last year you had Mahomes where he was hobbled with the leg yeah. injury. And then again, the youngest defense two years in a row. This year, Mahomes not injured, but still, it wasn't as much of, like you said, early on, where it's just bombs away, Pat. Like, you yeah. got to play deep. And now you see all the Fangio stuff because everyone's scared to death. Patrick Mahomes killing them deep. But now he's saying, all right, I'm going to play the game short. I'm going to let my playmakers do their job. Like, I'm looking through the game tape, but it's like so many of these passes are check downs or hit the back of your foot, throw short, and let them make the plays. Mm -hmm. And he showed us, like, nah, I'm, I'm still Patrick Mahomes. I can still throw it 50 yards downfield all the way to the other side of the field. But a lot of it where, like, he really is that game changer is, one, managing it, but also being able to elude pressure. Like the one where, like, Nick Bosa gets hit in the face, uses one hand to still get yeah. around the arc and almost gets Mahomes, and he just barely gets out, pulls coverage, and then throws across his body. It's like – it's the physical ability if you just put it in the brain of someone – who has already seen so many advanced defenses and has a system that allows him to still succeed. Mm -hmm. And doesn't he have a photographic memory too, which is just absolutely unfair. Yeah. I, I, I believe so. I believe that's something I've heard. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. And he's physically talented, mentally on another yeah. level. Just it's incredible to watch. Like you have to be in awe just as a football fan. We're going to get into a little bit of Mahomes and the kind of difference you get in how he, you know, has shaped how people see roster construction and what you need to win. But first, quick word from our friends at FanDuel. We'll be back. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts, hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800 327 5050 for 24 7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1 800 GAM 1234. All right, so I just did my gushing about Patrick Mahomes. Coming out of the break, I'll give people a break on that. Yeah, but yeah. I do think there's a fun conversation to be had that was being had before the Super Bowl. Do you go the 49ers route where we're loaded? We've got, you know, Trent Williams, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayu, Christian McCaffrey, obviously, where it's just so many weapons to support whoever's at quarterback. And it's gotten them there with Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy. And I think you can make a fair argument that, you know, it wasn't necessarily the quarterback, maybe less so Jimmy Garoppolo, but Brock Purdy didn't lose them that game. Did he do enough to win it? Yeah, you can debate he didn't. But still, there were a lot of things that didn't go the 49ers way. But at the same time, having someone like a Patrick Mahomes, who at some point just has that ability to win you games and that elite presence. Do you think Mahomes proved that you do need an elite quarterback to win the big one? 
Or do you think that it you could still win with a really robust supporting cast in a quarterback who just kind of stays in his role, does his thing, and then like a Brock Purdy does make plays at the times that he needs to where it's like extending the play or just mm-hmm. making something happen outside of structure? So I don't necessarily think you need an elite quarterback to do so. And I, I think that this mold, what the 49ers have done, even to that extent, isn't necessarily needed because obviously Ayuk. Kittle, Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, you're not going to really be able to do that for everybody. But forming the team around a player and then getting a young quarterback, whether he's a game manager, whether he's an athlete, or whether he's someone that just won't make the mistakes, you can still win, in my opinion. You might run into the elite guys, but we saw this year. And honestly, there's you can make the case that the Bills – probably should have beat the Chiefs in the, in the postseason, that the Ravens had their shots in. They should have. They could have lost the game to the 49ers two nights ago. Like, I know that Patrick Mahomes is one is the best quarterback in the NFL, but I don't, I don't believe that he proved that you have to. It's going to be tough. You're going to have to have an all-time performance. You're going to have to take advantage of when things don't go right for him or another elite quarterback. When you get into the postseason, it really is game to game. And I don't, I obviously, when Mahomes wins three of them, it's like, well, you have to have this guy or you have to have at least someone like a Allen that can go toe to toe with him. I, I don't, I don't agree with that because, again, like you said, Brock Purdy, he didn't lose them the football game. I know he didn't necessarily chuck it downfield and make completions all over everywhere to really go, you know, tap for tat like Jalen Hurts did last year. Um, but even I would argue Jalen Hurts is not an elite thrower of the football. I think we saw that this year, some of the the inconsistency inconsistencies in his game. So I still believe that the method of building a team, good defense, good weapons, and just taking a young quarterback or someone that's not going to lose you the football game can still win the Super Bowl. So building off of that, does defense and complimentary special teams still win championships? Because I, I tweeted it. I feel like this entire playoff series was just the NFL or the football gods being like, hey, it's not all offense. I know like Mahomes and Josh Allen in the AFC championship game is just stuck in everybody's heads. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you go up against these guys. It's going to be a 50 to 50 shootout. But it's I mean, from my perspective, I still feel like the other phases of the game are still fairly important. What are your thoughts? incredibly important i mean harrison bucker you can argue is the best kicker in football i mean justin tucker still probably holds that but he's been he doesn't miss he does not miss at all like he may miss two kicks all year that's it and every time he lined up you're like okay he's gonna make it and it, it was never even close it was down the middle every single time and the hold the hold from his record setting kick it was a high it was a high snap but that that stuff is really important in these games. So being getting a holder that, and last year, Tommy Townsend, the Chiefs punter who was the holder, faced some scrutiny in 2022 for inconsistent holds. And the reason Harrison Bucker was missing some extra points, um, you, have not, you have not heard anything about any of that since he was called out a little bit. So working, having the right special teams coordinators, obviously kickoffs now and kick returns are pretty much irrelevant in football. There's no more point in that, but... Special teams gaffes, the punt, Ray Ray McLeod in the Super Bowl wasn't either loud enough or early enough saying to get away from the football. And we saw that go off of an ankle and it turns into a turnover. I know Richie James had a muff on the punt. He 
was able to pick it up, but the Chiefs have dealt with their fair share of mistakes and drops all year. So that was just another drop in the bucket for me. Um, and then you get to the I hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good, man. It's it's funny. It's true. It is. It's all always dropping in the bucket and dropping. Oh, some bad memories right there. But the defense, to your point, it's extremely important, especially we saw in this year's NFL. Defense ruled the league this year. Offense was down everywhere. Obviously, Mahomes, the Chiefs offense, but everywhere outside of the 49ers and the Ravens and the Lions, like you could see point totals were down everywhere. Defenses were like, you guys, we are done with letting you throw the ball down the field. We are just, we're done with it. You're going to have some methodical drives and we're going to force you to be perfect in every single one of these and you're not getting the deep ball on us. Obviously, some teams still found those explosives, but they were far less efficient this season. So defenses have gone back to that too high shell. Remember the Seattle Seahawks and their, you know, their cover three. And everyone's like, that's what we want to run after they won the Super Bowl and went back to the Super Bowl. And that's what everyone tried to emulate. And then Patrick Mahomes comes through and they're like, we're just going to throw the ball where you guys aren't. And that take advantage of it. And now we see the and then back to the shift of the too high. So it's really been a, how do you adapt your defense to what offenses are doing? And specifically with like the 49ers, their offense built, run the football, get to the edge and then throw play action off of it. We're going to get explosive through play action. And the Chiefs defense in the Super Bowl was like, fine, you guys want to come out in heavy personnel? We'll come out in heavy personnel too. And they kind of mugged the line with their linebackers and they said, go for it. 3.6 yards per carry was inefficient. One of the most inefficient performances from them in the postseason. So when you're able to do that, you force them to play a little left-handed. And I think that's the biggest thing about the defense this year is playing, making offenses play left-handed. And that's the reason the Chiefs were able to get to their to the Super Bowl this year. They had to play with a good defense. And I know that they went like way heavier on the man coverage numbers. I, I know it helped to a point that yeah. know, Kyle Shannon <laughs> just kind of stopped running the ball when you're playing man coverage. You'd think that they would lean on the, and I, that's going to always, it's hard because that is always very circumstantial as well. Like it's, yeah. throw, it's, it's, you know, I, to be fair, seen, that might've been overblown. One of, one of the guys I follow, Rich, who covers the 49ers, he has a thread that just says, keep running the ball. And it's just the Chiefs getting negative play after negative play or a zero yard or a one yard. The, the 49ers had one yard gained in the third quarter on first down plays. One yard. That's it. Ew. Right? That's, that's not going to get it done. That's a pretty good reason to be like, all right, maybe we should start throwing. But. To Spag's credit, like the ability to, like you said, make the make offenses play one-handed, the adaptability. Yeah. What beyond those things are the keys to a Steve Spagnuolo defense? Because now I think yeah. he's really – I think he kind of was before, but now more than ever it feels like he's really getting his flowers as someone who, yeah, wasn't a great head coach, phenomenal, phenomenal defensive coordinator, teacher, mentor, all those things. So what from his scheme do you think really stood out from this season? Maybe something he's done differently than the years past. And what things do you think people are going to steal? Because you know it's a copycat league. If you're Steve Spagnuolo's defense, I'm sure that people are going to be trying to take something from you. Yeah, so this year was, and you're going to love this because it kind of like kind of similar lines up with the Patriots, it's being multiple. Yep. The Patriots for years were known for, we can play whatever you want us to play and we can do it and make it look one way and, and still be elite playing zone, playing man, making this look one way and the other. And that's really what Spags did so well this year. But he 
led they actually led the league in their base defensive package four three so three linebackers on the field and four down linemen they were first in usage at 21 percent, which is not what spags wants to do spags wants to be in his dime package which i mean he was still third in usage in the nfl he wants six dbs on the field that is where his bread is buttered and that's where he's at his best because he can really change the picture everyone remembers the miami playoff game where he sends it shows too high. They rotate to one, and then the snap they go back to too high. Everyone's seen that. It's it's nothing crazy. It just it's a little bit of loop de loop. But all of that stuff, the changing of the post snap, everything, and that's one of the big reasons why you know Tua, and I think you can argue even Lamar, and then to to Brock Purdy did have some trouble seeing what was happening. Um, but in the Super Bowl specifically. They pl- well, they blitzed like half the half the snaps. He blitzed half the time against Brock Purdy. But instead of playing zone behind it, they played man coverage. And they were extremely impactful playing man coverage. So what I mean by multiple is that they can take a guy like Leo Chanel, who's their Sam linebacker, the outside guy who comes down, comes down on the the, the strong side. He plays that strong side linebacker. It's like they the adjuster can, for you guys, right? Kind of like what the past do with Jelani yeah. Tavai. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So he comes down. He can play a little bit of defensive end. He can play a little bit of stand-up linebacker. He can blitz. He can come and play in space a little bit. But they they use him as this almost force multiplier. And a couple times in the Super Bowl, they brought him down in between the defensive end and the, the tackle and shifted them out. So he was taking on a block from a guard or a center, and he was being a, like setting the edge inside and forcing the running back to choose. You either go outside to our say, our corners and safeties who are really good tacklers, or you come up to the, the middle of the defense and have to go against Nick Bolton or Drew Tranquil. Like he was just this this different chess piece. And then you have it's going to be hard to replicate, obviously, because you have to have all the right pieces. They rotate a ton at the defensive line. They take Chris Jones and they move him around, find those matchups. But on the outside, they have one of the best cornerback duos in the NFL in Jerry Sneed and Trent McDuffie. And Trent McDuffie plays on the outside in their base, but comes down into the slot for their everything else. So nickel, dime. But he also plays a little bit of, I like to call it pseudo linebacker, where either they're going to blitz one of their safeties or he just kind of stands in the middle of the defense and says, yeah, you guys don't really know what's happening to me. I might be blitzing. I might be covering. I might be zone. You don't have a clue. And that's why I'm like, what are they going to take? Are they going to take the idea to play man behind the blitz? Okay, go for it. It's hard to find those man coverage corners, but they've done a really good job drafting players that fit what they want on on the defensive side. They don't have to have great cover guys. Josh Williams, Jalen Watson are day three guys, but they fit the mold. They're physical. They're, they have that deep speed, but the ability to pass off to the safeties. They don't want them traveling a lot either. So it, for me, what I think we're going to see maybe this next iteration is playing a lot of too high because that's what the Chiefs done. Even when they blitzed, they didn't rotate mm-hmm. to one high a ton. It was a lot of too high. So you might see them continue this too high, but find specific corners that can man up or you can play zone. And I think the intelligence to learn all of the different adjustment processes, the passing off, you guys know the Patriots pass off a ton, but you have to be able to pass off against like a, a team like the Chiefs. So I don't, I don't know how you can take a ton up from this, but maybe it's as simple as having four really good linebackers that fit what you want because the Chiefs before the season didn't have four linebackers. The addition of Drew Tranquil allowed them to be very multiple with how they used Leo Chanel 
and Willie Gay and Nick Bolton as well. So every level has like its own different set of rules that Steve Spagnolo goes through and match up here and there. So it was really fun to watch him. It all come to a front this season. And honestly, in that way, like you said, it does seem similar to the Patriots. Like you mentioned, Chanel yeah. kind of does what Jelani Tavai does, where, all right, it's four down front. We want to shift to a five down. Now Bentley's going to slide over. For sure. Tavai comes down. And then where everybody kind of lines up at different spots in the secondary, that sounds like a Kyle Duggar typer. Not the way they want to use him, but kind of like a Miles Bryan. And with the youth that they have, it's kind of – it's like that Mahomes thing where it's scary that they could only really get better because, like you mentioned, when you get that chemistry down, you start getting on the same page, and mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I'm going to do this because I see this, and it's like, oh, you're going to do that? I'm going to do this. And guys just can kind of get on the same page with minimal communication. If you're a Chiefs fan, it's very exciting. If you're anybody, yeah. but it's it's not quite as exciting. But with all these good players, like we mentioned, it's – you know, some of the defensive scheme seems like something that you can kind of translate to the Patriots. Which free agents would you say? From the Chiefs, should the Patriots have their eye on this cycle? Are there some guys you think could maybe fit, some guys who could inject some championship blood into a Patriots organization that is now running very low on it? What do you think? Yeah, this is going to be more of a tough one for me to answer because, well, at the top, we can start with Chris Jones. Everybody can use a Chris Jones. Like, everybody can. I think what ends up happening is he's going to get the tag. I'm just... I don't know how the process is going to work. There's a lot of things the Chiefs can do to free up money. Uh, restructuring Patrick Mahomes' contract saves $35 million. It, it opens up $35 million of cap space in 2024. So that is an option for them. Chris which, Jones money. <laughs> exactly. It gives And LeJarrius Steed, because LeJarrius Steed's also oh. a free agent. So there's two guys that they desperately want back. They want both back. It's not going to be easy to get both and then sign all of your ancillary pieces and then bring in free agents, and then a draft class. So there's going to be fallout. There's going to be some change no matter what. So just talking about Chris Jones, yes, obviously he's someone that everyone's going to want if he hits open market. I don't think they're going to let him. So if anything, it'll be a tag-and-trade situation. If the Chiefs decide, all right, Legarius, we know what we want from our back end. You you, you are emblematic of that. Like You signify that. All of that, we're going to bring you back. Chris, we want to get it done, but you just want too much, much like the Harry Kill trade. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder and real quick i i i do kind of want to talk more about the potential free agents but why is he too expensive for them because i i know watching yeah. him I think you could say, yeah, like run defense, he's not the Aaron Donald type, where it's like down to down, he's a force. I don't want to say he takes plays off. I don't really like getting into that conversation. But there are definitely times where it's like for Chris Jones, 
you're getting run on pretty pretty well. Is that the barrier? Because also, if you're looking at the Super Bowls, I'm not so sure they have the ones that they have if it's not for Chris Jones. Like, he is to the defense what yeah. – maybe not in the homes, but like a Travis Kelsey is to the offense where that force multiplier where he's the one making a lot of the pivotal plays that's putting offenses in really bad positions, ending drives, creating negatives. So what what is the deal with that? It's been kind of weird to me since this whole thing started. So from what I understand, the Chiefs have numbers for everybody that they do. I also – this is my own – my own thing. So nothing that I'm about to say is reflective of the team or Chris Jones. I personally believe that his agents are a big problem from last season. I don't think they wanted to play ball and Chris Jones didn't allow them or didn't step in early enough. He's said multiple times about how much money he missed out on this season and that he had to get it back on that last sack against the Chargers and some of his bonuses from this season. So there's been a little, in my opinion, just reading into it, a little bit of tension between him and what could have been this offseason. Obviously, he missed the first season because he didn't have a contract. There was no contract worked out. So there's also the age factor. He's going to be 30 years old and when the next season starts. Like that is... Something to think about. He, yeah, that was so, fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it, but he's been in the league a while now, and Sheesh. I believe he deserves to get paid twenty, you know, twenty five, twenty eight million dollars a season. I fully believe that he deserves that and has earned it. But as you know, the Patriots were kind of the same way. They and and again, I think they're going to offer him a contract. The Chiefs offered Tyree Kill twenty three million dollars a year. They offered it to him. He turned it down because he wanted more. There, there will be an offer on the table from the Chiefs to Chris Jones. It will be about whether he takes it or not. And there is there, the Chiefs have a number for everybody. They do. They will not go over it. They're, they have a line in the sand. And that's they made that clear with Tyree Kill. Um, and they might make it clear again with Chris Jones. So that's 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 my thing. I mean, I, it makes sense. And obviously agents in those two sides, that's why players are like, I don't want to be involved because sometimes yeah. these agencies and the teams, the conversations are uncomfortable and it's just better if a player doesn't hear all that stuff and, you know, yeah. all the kind of extra that gets in your ear. But okay. So I know Legere Steed seems like someone who would fit the Pats as well. Like he could play a lot of man coverage right now. Jonathan Jones, status, like he's always battling injury. It feels like, although he's probably still got a year or two left, really good player. Uh, any other guys just off the dome you could think of that the Patriots should at least have their eye on is like guys who could potentially be, you know, culture fits. I feel like that's kind of the biggest thing they need. Oh, where yeah. You do need the knockout players, mm -hmm. but if you don't get a Jerry CD, you don't get a Chris Jones to somebody who could come into a position group and kind of show what it's like to be a champion. Uh, Mike Dana, defensive end, who's a, a good run defender. He's a, a good worker in the past rush department. He got Trent Williams a couple times, but he's a glue guy. He's one of their, their rotational defensive ends. He started in place of Charles Menahue, and multiple times this year, he had to do the same thing. So he has a lot of starting experience, a lot, a lot of playing experience, and now he has quite a few Super Bowls, and he just, he understands the work it takes. He doesn't, you don't hear his name very much in terms of making the splash plays, but he had eight sacks this past year, so he put up his best sack totals, and he just works. Doesn't talk much. He's very. He's more of a lead by example guy. So he's someone that would make sense. I also think in the terms of run, 
stopping and then working as a pass rusher, he can slide down and rush from the interior as well, which is something that the, the, the Patriots typically like in their the versatility of their defensive ends. Um, and then Nick Allegretti, left guard, who stepped in for Joe Tooney and said, yeah, look, I got two big games here, AFC Championship game and a Super Bowl to get me a contract, either with the Chiefs or somewhere else. And I think that there's some team that's going to throw some money at him because not just these two games, he started the entire 2020 year for the Chiefs at left guard. Uh, that, that has gotten lost in the shuffle, but he started there and he was a good player. He has center and guard flexibility. He played center actually the last game of the season for the Chiefs and this past year to get Creed playing guard. Like it was just, I think it was just to get Nick Allegretti some reps, some repetitions at, at center, but he has that positional flexibility. And again, he's a good player who came in in big spots for the Chiefs this season and allowed help them win a Super Bowl. So those are a couple names that make a lot of sense from just my perspective. Yeah, and especially on that Pat's interior. Like Cole Strange, we have no idea what he's going to be available. Yeah. David Andrews, even if he comes back, is also is not also, but he's getting really up there in age. I was looking at Allegretti personally. I'm glad you mentioned him because I was like, if they have to sign somebody who could yeah. start like maybe five or six games for you at least, but also could be a backup guy who gives you some depth. I really like that. That's a good one. All right, I'll close out with this. How far would you say? Because you're someone who, like, you're not just Chiefs. I know you yeah. watch the NFL. You follow teams very closely. From what you know of the Patriots, how close do you think they are from being a playoff contender? I personally feel like they're closer than people realize. A lot of that's because of the capital they've got and their defense, especially the retentions they've managed to keep on that side of the ball. But also from an outsider's perspective, what do you think? So we were talking about this last last offseason, and we both thought, you know, things go right way with Bill O'Brien, and you have Mac Jones back to his rookie season playing, that they'd be a contender. Like, their defense is good enough to be there, and it, that defense is going to be good enough. I'm not I'm not sold on changing all this stuff. That's gonna, it's going to make them bad. They have legit players at every single level, and now it's going to be about how they're used, and I'm a big fan of the way that their defense runs and, and – it's going to come down to the quarterback and the wide receivers guys. Like that's that's really what this comes down to. You they I don't think that they can go into next year with the same two guys at quarterback. It, it can't happen. I'm not sure what the plan's going to be, whether it's going to try to bring in a, a free a, a, a veteran. I don't know if you could do it because I know Minnesota really wants to. If Kirk Cousins is available, I think that makes a lot of sense. I really do. As a veteran guy, you draft a quarterback, and you might not want to hear it, but it's a bridge guy that can, can win football games with a defense behind him. I think he makes sense, but if it, even if it's not a veteran, there has to be a rookie quarterback in New England this year. It, it, you have to. And, and weapon-wise, weapon, weapon wise, I mean, oh, boy. Um, I love Pop <laughs> Which, Douglas. Ooh, exactly, it's Pop. <laughs> I love Pop. <laughs> I love Pop Douglas. Like, he's one of my guys, and he was fantastic this season. I would, You know, I like Kendrick Bourne a lot, but it doesn't look like Kendrick Bourne's going to be back. I don't know how that situation is going to go. It's a new, you know, it's a new coaching staff, so maybe he feels more inclined to come back because I'm not sure that he jived with everything that was happening before. Um, I'm still a big Hunter Henry guy. I think that he's a really good player, and they have a nice one, too, with him and Mike Kosicki, but I still like to get a guy who can do both in terms of blocking and catching passes. But, again, it comes down to quarterback and wide receiver. I don't know. There's always some free agents out there. Like, there are there are good good players. It looks like Mike Evans is not going to be available, which 
is a bummer uh, because personally and selfishly, I would love to see the Chiefs go after him um, because he would. Oh no! No no, no! 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 Stay really away well. from Big Mike. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, it looks like he's going to stay in Tampa Bay, though, and that that makes a lot of sense. But a guy like Marquise Brown might go a long way into helping getting a vertical threat that I know is injury stuff. You don't want to deal with more injury stuff on on top of a guy like Juju Schuster, which you guys all know. I'm not sure if they're willing to throw a bag. You know, at a guy like T. Higgins, who looks like he's going to get franchise tagged by the the, the you know the uh, Bengals, so it starts to dry up at the top pretty quickly from the free agency standpoint. So, yeah. the really good wide receiver class, and you and I have been talking about that a little bit here because it is a fantastic and deep, extremely deep wide receiver class. So, one, two. Three, just throw bodies at, at wide receiver at this point and see what you can get. Bring it. Maybe they make a run a guy like Calvin Ridley, who might not go back to uh, the uh, the Jaguars. So there are some ways to get this to a point where you can airdrop a quarterback in, whether it's a rookie or a veteran, and be a competitive team. I think that they're a lot closer than people think, again, because of how bad it was. I think that this kind of refresh might help them a little bit. I mean, you know more better than I do about the reports from the, the players, maybe not all jiving with the Gerard Mayo ascension and given again, that was just a rumor that I it heard. It was more like, it was like, it was pe it was people inside the building. Honestly, I think it was, I cannot, I'm not confirming this or anything, but I do yeah, more no. think it was probably <laughs> people on the staff who knew that he knew because now we know for a fact that everybody in the building did know that it was in his contract that he was going to get the promotion. So I think it got to a point where when they got bad, it started to okay. be like, oh, look at Gerard walking around like he's going to take over. When it was like, I mean, yeah, that's okay. what's going to happen. It's more like <laughs> okay. if we're talking about people that people aren't happy with, it's more in that Mac Jones category. And that makes Ian sense. Rapport just said that he's probably a trade candidate. And I like the Kirk Cousins. I'm keeping myself – uh, in a realm where I, I don't think it's realistic just because I feel like if he leaves, he'd want to go get a ring. Like, obviously, he's I think he's made a good amount of money, probably wants to go to a contender. Yeah. And then in free agency, it's one thing if it's after the draft where it's like, look how many young pieces we have for you to work with. But it's different sure. when, you know, you're coming in and you're like, look, we have a pop. And, and that's it for right now, <laughs> you know. But, I mean, still, you got – he was in that Kevin Stefanski offense, and there's some guys like Joe Flacco, Jacoby Brissett, uh, Drew Locke. Not as exciting names, but guys who have experience working with Stefanski or, you know, T.C. McCartney, so – yeah, I, I think my worst case scenario is like Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback in New England next year. Like that feels that feels like if 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 I if if it were like still Belichick, that feels like a one hundred percent Bill Belichick move. Ryan Tannehill, you are a New England Patriot. You're going to be the quarterback <laughs> next year. At least Flacco. Like here's what I'm thinking. Like yes. I think it's clear that Kirk Cousins is what you'd want from this Brajan class. For sure. But it's like Flacco gives you that like madness where it's a coin flip. He's either going to throw an interception or he's going to just like rip some crazy shot. And then you got Jacoby Brissett, where it's the hometown element. Everybody loves Jacoby. No one's going to complain if he's like back Jacoby in the building. Too. Everybody loves Jacoby. He's good people. <laughs> then who's the other one? Drew Locke, where he's just also great vibes. Like no one's hating Drew Locke. If he doesn't play great, you're like, hey, <laughs> he's slinging it. it. He's, He's trying his thing. And, and I think they will draft the quarterback. I feel like that's locked in. It's just a matter of who the bridge option is going to be. But mm -hmm. Daniel, thank you so much, as always, for stopping by. Won't be the last time this offseason. I promise you that. Before I let you go, please let the people know where they can find you and what great stuff you've got coming down the pipeline. 
Well, I appreciate it. I know you guys didn't always enjoy hearing about the Chiefs stuff, but we do a lot more. And draft coverage is now for me in full swing. So it's a lot of fun. And you can find all of the grades and everything that I do for the draft at Cover One, which I have a podcast there, and NFL33.com. I also do all my Chiefs content, which you're probably not interested in, but all of my film stuff, which is still learning material, at rgrfootball.com. And then I'll be doing more podcasts, articles, little short videos for football guys in terms of film and fantasy analysis there as well. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining, as always. And thank you all for watching, as always. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And we will see you next time. Peace, y'all.